Portland Blazers Nation. This is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers. The Blazers have been very, very active over the last week or so, trading for Jeremy Grant in a home run of a deal that, you know, mea culpa, I did not fathom, and I think most people around the league didn't fathom it either. Uh, let's just say the Blazers are lucky to have Joe Cronin. That's a huge, huge win for the Blazers, getting Jeremy Grant for that 2025 first-round pick that they acquired from the from the New Orleans Pelicans as a result of the C.J. McCollum trade and also sliding him into that trade exception, sliding Grant into that resulting trade exception. Uh, just awesome, awesome work for the Blazers there. And then they also drafted Shaden Sharp uh, one day later at number seven in the NBA draft. They retained that pick in the Grant trade. Um, if you've been listening to this program for a while or even just a couple episodes, you probably know how high I am on that move. And then free agency starts tomorrow, and there have been uh, – some little nuggets about the Blazers, about how they're very much anticipated to re-sign Yusuf Nurkic and re-up Anthony Simons on big money deals. So we're going to get into all that stuff with Justice Rogers on this week's episode right after our break. You're listening to Talking Trailblazers, and we will be right back. All right, we are back with Talking Trailblazers, and guess who we have on the line? It's Justice Rogers. Justice, what's up, man? What's up, man? It's good to be here. We got a lot to talk about today, a lot to cover. We really do. Uh, let's get into it. Wow, just get right into it, huh? No pleasantries. I, I suppose we. I suppose we dispense <laughs> with the pleasantries uh, when we weren't recording. Uh, I suppose most players don't need to hear those, do they? You know, I should. I should be so so selfish, Jack. How are you? How how's your mental health? How are you doing there? Thank, oh, oh, thank you, Justice. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, tough times for America right now. I do want to say that. But uh, personally, you know, I'm doing fine. I just I just met a new family member. Uh, my, my cousin had a baby just over meeting her. It was just amazing. Um, so that has me on a high, frankly. Nice. So that's that's where I'm going to try and live here for at least the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour while uh, <laughs> while we record. And the first thing we're going to talk about today, um, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about regarding the Blazers and then the league at large. We're going to hit it all. But the first thing we want to talk about is the Blazers trade for Jeremy Grant. That happened last week. I believe it was Wednesday, the day before the draft. And just to get you the terms of that uh, of that transaction, it was the Trailblazers get Jeremy Grant and the number 46 pick in the 2022 draft. Um, and then the Pistons got a 20, that 2025 first round pick. And that's actually the Milwaukee Bucks first round pick protected for picks one through four. And the number 36 pick in 2022, a 2025 second rounder and a 2026 second round pick. The Blazers sent those assets to the Pistons for Jeremy Grant. I know what I think about the deal, but Justice, how are you feeling about this one? Sure, yes. I, I know you'll have uh, all the uh, logistical uh, <laughs> side to that, uh, but just going off of a uh, barbershop uh, right on the corner perspective, man, <laughs> hey, the Blazers got who they wanted, man. I mean, we've been talking about this for, what, maybe five, six episodes now? Uh, this is the guy that we thought would be a perfect fit. I mean, a bunch of other names were thrown out there that ultimately I think we decided uh, in our podcast uh, land that we live in that those weren't going to be good fits mm -hmm. and that this was ultimately going to be the best move for them. And it's from what I saw, I know you're going to break it down for me, give me all the, uh, uh, the background info, but at least just going off from what I saw, it looks like they got this deal done without giving up too much. Uh, and the Blazers don't have much to give right now. So uh, I think this is great, man. I know uh, everybody um, that's a, a Blazers fan is happy right now. And uh, this seems to be a lot of excitement and hype as the uh, offseason continues. Yeah, it's frankly an incredible deal. 
this trade this trade for Grant uh, from the from the Blazers' perspective. And I gotta admit, and if people who have been listening to this show heard me say it over and over, that I once the Blazers lost that extra lottery pick when the Pelicans made the playoffs, pushing um, pushing the obligation that the Pelicans sent to Portland for CJ McCollum to that 2025 first round pick rather than the lottery pick this summer, an extra lottery pick this summer. I was just almost despondent, just as mm. despondent. Wow. I know. Wow. I, I barely know what it means. Um, <laughs> but I was just really, really down on the Blazers' summer and their chances to not only really level up uh, this next season in 2022-23, but going forward, just because you've heard me say it so many times, Justice, and our listeners mm-hmm. have too, that ideally for me, the Blazers would always approach this summer by both, as I said, leveling up next season to both get back to the playoffs. Um, you know, they had the, they made the playoffs eight years in a row, the league's longest streak until last year. Um, so obviously they want to get back to the playoffs and they also need to play, they needed to play Kate Damian Lillard to get back to the playoffs. So they promised mm-hmm. them that 2022, 2023 would be the year um, after making, after making all those really transformational uh, deals at the trade deadline, they promised him that they would level up, they would improve the roster, that they would really compete in the Western Conference next season. And this is the first step of that. But what's so amazing about it is the Blazers were able to hang on to the number seven overall pick in this deal to get that impact wing player, which we've talked about for so, so, so long. So I just thought it was impossible when, when the Blazers lost that extra lottery pick from the Pelicans that they would be able to both build parallel timelines, if you will, for to play Kate Dame, to really level up in the Western Conference next season, but also to kind of bolster their coffers for the future, if you will. Um, because, you know, let's face it, we've, we've talked about it a lot. Damian Lillard turns 32 this summer. He is probably towards the latter half of his prime, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yep, right sure. yep. um, so for the next two or three years, you know, maybe we'll get all NBA, all NBA level basketball from Damian Lillard, uh, but that's hardly guaranteed. And that clock is ticking. So the Blazers needed to kind of reset, if you will, or not reset, maybe just, uh, you know, just, just chart another path forward in addition to the one that they were already going to um, as a result of really, really committing to Dame. And they were able to do it. Um, so what essentially this comes down to is the Blazers traded and I even took a note on this. Oh, he's got notes. But not 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 many this week. Not many. The <laughs> CJ trade basically comes out to Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart for CJ McCollum and Larry Nance, which is to me is just an objective win for the Blazers when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not that's not bad at all. You you can't really complain about that because I mean we've talked about you know since the end of the season, really since the end of the Blazers season, um, because they didn't make the playoffs. Obviously, we just talked about how they seemed to be in a rock and a hard place, and we didn't know how they were going to make something happen. And uh, I mean, I guess props to Joe Cronin. It seems like he's winning a few uh, fans here in Portland because uh, uh, he, he's making some moves, and we've seen a lot of. Uh, public communication about how they're really trying to uh, just improve in this off season, and it's like I think we've said it before. It's kind of a uh, a breath of fresh air at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. And now it, it bears mentioning the market for Jeremy Grant just wasn't nearly as hot as anyone as anyone expected. You know, when the when the terms came down for this deal. Just I feel like all of NBA Twitter was just shocked that Jeremy Grant just went for a 2025 first round pick and one that was for them from the Milwaukee Bucks at that. Um, and, and there are a couple of reasons why you know Grant's market or why his value as a trade piece came in far lower than let's say you know Aaron Gordon when he was traded to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, even when the Blazers acquired Robert Covington, they sent two first round picks out. Um, you know because that's kind of analogous players to him. Though I obviously think Jeremy Grant's a little better than Robert Covington at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But what really, really drove down his value, I think, was not only the fact that 
Grant is eligible for a four-year, $112 million extension, and all public reporting indicates that he wants that. He expects that. Um, and, and I believe now because he was traded, he's after six months have passed since the trade, he'll be eligible to sign that. And I expect he will in Portland as long as the Blazers uh, you know, are, are, headed, are headed back towards the playoffs uh, six months from now. But the other thing that really drove it down was also just the fact that because the Blazers created a Sorry, that was my dog scratching at the door here. Uh, because the Blazers created a $20.9 million trade exception from the C.J. McCollum deal, they were able to slide Jeremy Grant into that trade exception and not have to send a bad salary back to Detroit. So like in, in every framework I had considered, I had thought that the Blazers would, oh, they'd have to send Eric Bledsoe's contract to Detroit. Um, to fulfill salary matching requirements to get Jeremy Grant. But instead, because they had that trade exception, this was just a much more palatable deal for the Pistons because they took back no long-term salary. The Blazers were just able to absorb Jeremy Grant's deal into that trade exception. So just a just an incredible deal, uh, incredible deal-moving, deal-making, I guess, from Joe Cronin. Um, and and you, you, really, you really think that, you know, Going back to the trade deadline, people were upset that the Blazers didn't get more for CJ, that they didn't get that impact wing. Well, they ended up getting a lot for CJ, and they ended up getting that impact wing. Um, and it's and it's really in a way that I didn't I didn't see coming. And again, the market was lower than anyone anticipated, but I think Joe Cronin anticipated it. And now the Blazers have Jeremy Grant, a guy that Dame and you know they've wanted for a really long time. Very true. And even to double down on the point you made earlier, I think we both. Uh, kind of had the same sentiment when everything fell through uh, with that draft pick. We were just kind of like, okay, it's over now. You know, the Blazers are going to have to uh, find scraps uh, to put the team together for the upcoming season because, you know, so many fans and I think even the organization, they were kind of riding on those odds. Um, and when it didn't happen, it was kind of like, all right, well, now they've got to, uh, you know, kind of shake and bake and find something to do. And what they found to do was great. And so uh, now that Grant's going to be here, um, I think him and Dan are going to get along just fine. He's going to be a great addition to the offense and even the defense. You know, he's a tall guy, very long, you know, great wingspan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've seen what he's done in Detroit. And I think that's only going to improve in Portland with their style of offense and uh, even with having a veteran leader, especially at the point guard position like Dame. Mm -hmm. um, and even with uh, Chauncey in his second year as head coach, I think that's going to be a great fit uh, for a young guy like Grant. So, uh, yeah, this was great. I mean, I think we all, you know, all of us who are in the sports world probably saw Blazers and Rip City fans rejoice on social media as yeah. uh, it came through from all the uh, our fellow NBA insiders uh, that it was confirmed. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is... This is good so far, and I think uh, Cronin is starting to kind of turn um, turn the tide when it comes to so many uh, Blazers fans who have just been upset uh, with the front office and management for how, however many years, because it's been a while. Uh, I think he's starting to win them over, you know, slowly but surely. I think we're starting to see it now. Man, it's just an absolute breath of fresh air, honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the way that Joe Cronin was able to consummate this deal, and this is something I actually posted posted on Twitter. And I, for those of you who follow me, you know I don't post very often, so I must have really, really believed in what I said. Right. But I said something along the lines of just, you know, it's just so damning of Neil Shea's tenure in Portland that the Blazers were objectively trading from a position of weakness with the Grant deal after not getting that additional first round pick, um, with the entire league knowing that they wanted, um, you know, that they wanted an impact wing that they needed to level up for next season to play K Dame. And Joe Cronin was still able to get this deal done. Whereas if I feel like if Neil Shea was, was still at the helm, frankly, I don't even know if he's making calls 
um, on that on that 2025 first round pick, or if he's even thinking this big, just because O'Shea was all about uh, all about incumbent players, all about the guys he drafted. Mm-hmm. He just didn't really have. He just really didn't really think big picture. Like it seems Joe Cronin is able to. And uh, like I said, it's just a it's just a breath of fresh air. And one of the things I really really like about Jeremy Grant. Um, you know, you've heard me talk about wings so often, Justice, and especially throughout the playoffs, I felt like I was always, always talking about wings. But one of the things why or one of the reasons why wings are so valuable is because they can play multiple positions and do multiple things on the floor. And that certainly applies to Jeremy Grant. He's not necessarily an efficient scorer. Um, you know, he's not a great one-on-one player. He's not a great spot-up three-point shooter. He's not even a great, great finisher anymore. I don't think he's quite as athletic as he was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but he's but he's a three level scorer, and that's something every team in the league needs. Especially you know when you're going to have Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons on the floor a lot of that time, just drawing so much extra attention from the defense, really getting that defense into scramble mode. Uh, that's just where a guy like Jeremy Grant can you know take advantage of an advantage situation, take advantage of a winning numbers game. And then on the other side of the floor is you know where this is almost more exciting, just because Jeremy Grant you know he's probably he's not Aaron Gordon, he's probably not going to start out on point guards. Um, you know, he's not going to take the, the toughest perimeter assignment if it's a small, quick guard, but he's certainly going to guard impact wings, superstar wings. He can do that really, really capably. Probably not at an all-defense level, um, though I actually think that's that reality is more about uh, less than, less what he does on the ball uh, compared to what he does off the ball. He's just not an especially disruptive or active or especially reliable uh, off-the-ball helper. But man it's just a, it's just such a win for the blazers and you know he he gives you lineup uh lineup versatility too before jeremy grant was traded to denver actually um he was with the oklahoma city thunder there for a while and he was actually playing some small ball five for them so i'm not totally sure that jeremy grant's going to play that role with the blazers but i would really really like to see chauncey billups roll out some lineups with you know jeremy grant at the five nasir little at the four josh hart at the three and then you know we can we can add uh you know whoever the blazers get with a mid-level exception hopefully it's a a bigger guard or a wing as well um then with one of with one of dame or ant i just think that would be a really really dynamic lineup and you know it's the type of dynamism and versatility that the blazers just didn't have last season very true very true and so i think if, with this move alone uh i think a more uh portland fans have a little bit more trust uh, in the front office, especially with Cronin. And uh, I like that it shows that they are working. You know, they really are trying to make an effort here uh, to make some things happen, especially in the off season. And in my opinion, this is when it counts right now. Uh, as we're going into summer league starting, I think, next week or the week after. Um, Saturday. You know, Saturday. This Saturday? Yeah, the California Classic starts on Saturday. Ah, so that's, 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 right. that's, that's just the California teams and I think a couple other teams as well. Very true. So yeah, we're right there, and then in a few months from now, we'll be getting ready for preseason, and mm-hmm. and uh, and then you know back in the fall. So I'm, you know, time moves quick, uh, especially as once the draft is over, and you know all these players are uh, kind of in their cities and getting acclimated. So um, I'm hoping that yeah, this is this is only the beginning of what more moves need to be made so that the Blazers can be set to really you know try to make a run in this next season uh, for 2022, uh, 23. 
Now, Justice, that's actually a nice little seeg into our next topic because ah. I'm, I'm not sure who the Blazers selected at number seven, that pick that they didn't have to trade for Jeremy Grant because Joe Cronin created that trade exception and had that 2025 first-round pick as a result of the CJ deal. I'm not sure that that rookie is necessarily going to help the Blazers next season. Oh, and boy. Of, and, of course, I'm talking about Shaden Sharp. You've heard me talk about him a lot, Justice. I talked about him a lot on this show from the moment, yes. we, uh, from the moment we started highlighting rookies. I – Singled out Shaden as someone who I really, really was interested in the Blazers getting, and they did it. You know, they mm-hmm. they they nabbed him at seven. Kind of surprising some people that there were some reports in those final couple days leading up to the draft that the Blazers uh, kind of had eyes for Sharp, along with the G the G the, excuse me the G League ignites Dyson Daniels, another guy who we've talked about on this show. Sure, um, I love. The, it's not going to surprise surprise you to hear me say this, Justice. I love the Sharp selection. Um, how are you feeling about it? I'm a fan of it as well. I, I remember when we had the conversation about. It. I did my research, of course, and immediately I, I became a fan and was like, you know, I think this would be a good fit and a good pick for him. Um, now, of course, I did see a lot of backlash on social media after that pick uh, was called for Portland. A lot of people saying, you know, this guy has barely played at the D1 college level. You know, he's only played against high school guys. But, you know, at this point, there was there was a point in my not only career, but just life where, you know, I was only going with guys that I had saw their potential from the very beginning, you know, whether whether it was all the way through high school or through college. And I would just go with, hey, there's hype around him. He's the guy. And I made that mistake many a times with the Shabazz Muhammad, uh, the Jabari Parkers of the world. (laughs) These are guys that I saw their their rise. I I, I like that name. That's a good one. Sorry, go ahead. I I mean, I'm just saying these are guys that had huge names in high school. They're in every magazine. And then they get to the league and it's like, wow, that was disappointing. Uh, So I'm not riding that wave anymore. You know, I'm kind of I'm taking chances as I'm getting older here. And, you know, once you put me on the sharp, I was like, okay, this kid, not only does he have potential, but I think he may even know that mentally there's probably uh, what would be the word? I don't know, maybe even a chip on his shoulder because he knows that there's a lot of doubters out there because they haven't seen much tape or film on his skills. They they only know about the high school hype and. That's really about it. And what makes Shaden Sharp so unique is that that high school hype really only came last summer. Um, like it, before that, he was kind of a, I think just like a borderline top 100 recruit even. I'm no, I'm no recruiting expert, but he certainly wasn't a five-star prospect. And then he, last you know, last last summer, he just shows out on the Nike UIBL circuit um, mm-hmm. with a, I think it was, his team is Uplay Canada, I believe is the team. And you know, he goes from a guy who was more of a role player, uh, you know, more of a, more of a complimentary guy. to so all of a sudden, a guy who's not only his team's like, primary creator but one of the but arguably the best shot maker in the entire class Mm -hmm. Um, so he really vaulted you know again from like a a non-five-star prospect to the number one player in the class by the end of by the end of last summer and then he decided to reclassify and enroll at kentucky and then of course we all know what happened there he didn't end up playing ends up uh, declaring for the draft after promising kentucky that you know he would play this he would play this next season there before entering the draft um but now that so that adds to a lot of the consternation. I think that I think that uh, that you mentioned uh, from Blazers fans, you know, and I get it because we've talked so much about this about how 
the Blazers, you know, they need to get better next season and they've done it by getting Jeremy Grant. And so after making a, kind of a win now move for Jeremy Grant, I think a lot of Blazers fans thought that, oh, now is going to be the time to go get another guy in the draft at number seven who can, who can definitely help us next year. But that is not at all what the Blazers did. Shaden Sharp has never played beyond, has, has never played at a higher level than I suppose, like, you know, the practices, the scrimmages he, he participated in at Kentucky. Uh, mm -hmm. last right. um, so it's obviously quite a risk, but you just look at the upside here. It's just obvious. You, you watch 30 seconds of Shaden Sharp highlights or, or film and you see it. He's 6'5", 6'6", with a seven-foot wingspan, broad shoulders. He's obviously going to get really, really big. He's got a really, really impressive frame. He's just an effortless leaper, uh, really creative ball handler. His, his handle will get tighter. He'll get a little more deft. He'll learn how to set people up better, set defenders up uh, better in screen and roll situations. But what's really, really intriguing about him is that combination of size, ball, handling ability and then just shot making ability his off dribble shot making ability is just unreal um for a player for a player of this age level and experience and especially again considering his his physical tools um it's just a really 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 rare uh all-around profile for him like i was i was doing some research on Shaden, listening to some stuff about the draft looking at some articles and stuff and i was just racking my brain for what shooting guard prospect uh really had this combination of physical tools and shot making ability and there just aren't many um so i think there is some worry that shade and sharp could bust right because he because, yeah. he, because he hasn't played uh you know there, there are some concerns about his motor um and there are some concerns obviously about the fact that he didn't play at kentucky last season when he was eligible to play he could have played um, but he decided not to. I, frankly, I I don't really like I don't, I don't like those concerns even being voiced. Honestly, mm -hmm. um, you know what do you expect? Do you expect Shaden Sharp to go 110 percent in 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 AAU games? His, his second game of the day or third game of the day? His fourth fourth game in two days or whatever? Right, on the, exactly. On the summer circuit, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about the motor, um, and I'm not worried about the, the fact that he didn't play at Kentucky last season. Shaden Sharp is an 18 year old kid with, you know. A, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars of earnings coming his way. I highly, highly doubt that the, that the decision to sit out last season was made by Shaden Sharp and Shaden Sharp alone. And if it was, I highly doubt it was, oh, I'm not going to sit out because I, or I'm going to sit out because I don't love basketball. The, the decision was made to sit out because it was, you know, he, he joined mid-season. He, he reclassified. All of a sudden, he was a year older basketball-wise than he had been before. Mm -hmm. So so to me, I, I, don't, I don't worry about those concerns. And and as, and as far as his uh, his floor goes, I actually just think it's higher than than many many people think because again, just a just a guy at his size who can can make shots off the dribble at that level and is that athletic. Those guys just don't really fail, and uh, that's what has me really excited about this. Let alone the upside, and you know, I think he's a potential all star. Sure, and I I would say yeah, I don't see this being I don't see the Blazers losing in this scenario at all. I think it's a win win either way. Of course, we you know we want uh, Sharp to be the the best that he can be, but if he doesn't turn out to be what the Blazers wanted, they still got Jeremy Grant. So to me, that was the key. I mean, we've been talking about it like I said since the season ended. They needed another you know star or high caliber player to play with Dame. They have that with Grant, and then you got a you know a seventh a seventh pick in the draft. That's not bad. So at the very you know at the worst, you develop this kid for a few years, yep. and you know he's there to play with the younger guys like Ant, um, and they become you know a unit together as exactly. you know, these other guys uh, might possibly age out. But yeah, no, I'm. 
I'm not I'm not even considering him to to be a bust. I, I want to see how he develops. I think he'll really do well with a younger coach um, in a Chauncey mm-hmm. Billups, who I think is either in his mid forties or uh, mid or mid to late forties. Um, so I think they'll be able to. Why are you aging Chauncey like that? Is, is that? Am I am I wrong? Should I do the Google uh, search right now just to confirm it? I mean, let's I know. Hope, let's hope he's not listening. Uh. I mean, I don't think Chauncey. Uh, from my interactions with him, he's forty five. So I was right on. You got to give right me. I, I did the Google search. Forty five years old as of this year. You, you so. did say mid. You did say mid. Exactly. See, I didn't say 50s. That would have been an issue if I would have said 50s. Uh, I did not. Chauncey Billups is 45 years old. Uh, He doesn't look it. So, Chauncey, if you're listening, hopefully you got that compliment. You know, I'll see you uh, when the season starts. But, but no, no, I think Sharp is a great pick. I was hoping that that the Blazers were actually going to go with it. I didn't watch the draft. I was kind of just watching the tweets as they they rolled in uh, live during the NBA draft. And as soon as I saw uh, the Blazers took uh, Sharp at seven, I said, yep, that's a good pick. Um, I got to see some of the uh, looks like videos or uh, photos of him getting his tour of the facility. So um, I think he'll fit in well. And he seems to correct me if I'm wrong. He seems to kind of have even a uh, a quiet demeanor. He doesn't seem to be the most uh, you know loudest, rambunctious guy. Well, uh, no, I, th- I think that's right. I, mean, I don't I don't know him personally. I've never spoken with him or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. And he's also a guy who's kind of just coming into this level of stardom. And I, True. And I think that was kind of the scuttle too, is that during the pre-draft process, he didn't necessarily interview well. And again, I'm just I'm just not reading into that. This this kid's rise is, and I'm calling him a kid because he is a kid. You know, he's a, he's 18 years old. Right, um, right. His rise has just been so so meteoric that it's ridiculous to expect you know that he would uh, come off as polished during the pre-draft process as say Paolo Bancaro or Chet Holmgren. You know, mm-hmm. guys who've been earmarked for this level of stardom for you know three, four or five years. Shaden Sharp is not that at all. Um, so yeah, no, I, that his demeanor certainly doesn't bother me. And, you know, I actually think it's the more, more quiet type demeanor is, is the type that I think Damian Lillard can, uh, you know, can kind of really, kind of really influence and, and impact. He'll really help Shaden Sharp grow both on and off the court. So I think that's, uh, that's definitely another boon for the Blazers. And then just one more thing to think about here. Mm-hmm. There was so much concern about, you know, the Blazers drafting a win now player. Who was that player? Who was available at number? <laughs> you know, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. Like, 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 who were the Blazers definitely going to draft? Who was definitely going to come in? And you know, you know, you don't, you don't expect a rookie to start and make that type of impact. But you know, a, a sixth or seventh man, like, who was that guy? Maybe Dyson Daniels was that guy. Maybe. Eh, right. Maybe. Exactly. He's also nineteen. He was kind of a late bloomer. Um, he didn't necessarily light the G League on fire. He played really, really well. Um, oh, really, really well. Uh, relatively, you know, well um, mm-hmm. over the over the second half of his season, season with G League Ignite, but I think he also shot below 60% from the free throw line and under 30% from three. Um, and despite the fact that Dyson Daniels is supposed to be a really, really good defender, and you know the film certainly supports that, especially on ball, I certainly don't expect a 19-year-old rookie to come in and be an immediate impact player defensively. I mean, we saw some guys in last year's class who were like that. Uh, you know, we saw Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. We saw Herb Jones, uh, even Jose Alvarado for, for, the right. New, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Love that guy. Yeah. But, you know, it's like those guys are few and far between. Like they like they were such a big deal because they were such anomalies as, as really impact defender rookies. So, um, you know, if you're if you're one of those Blazers fans who's worried about the fact that they didn't draft a win now player, I just don't know who who that was going to be at number seven, unless you were talking about you know 
Johnny Davis from Wisconsin or something, but I don't think the Blazers were necessarily going to draft a, a 6'3", 22-year-old who does his work in the mid-range. I, you know, they, they had CJ McCollum for a long time. They don't need another, they don't need another shoot first player, um, you know, from the mid-range, despite the fact that, you know, I like Johnny Davis fine. I think he's actually a pretty good defender as well. Um, but he just didn't offer the upside that Shaden Sharp does, and that's what's really, really attractive about this for me. Absolutely. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, in previous years, I would say maybe 10 plus, maybe even 15 years ago, you know, I was the one that was leaning towards more of uh, the hype machines, more of the players that had all the hype, all the uh, ESPN rankings and the offers. And, you know, at least in my opinion, I'd like to try to help uh, other NBA fans, college basketball fans, uh, and not always leaning that way uh, because oftentimes we're disappointed when these guys do get drafted mm-hmm. and they get to a team and they don't do anything or they have an injury or we have a you know unfortunate you know Gray Golden type of situation and it's almost like there's either too much hype or too much pressure. And then you have guys that come out of nowhere that you've never heard of you, as a Laker fan. You know, for me, I think of a guy like Alex Caruso, mm-hmm. who now is, is on a, uh, a loaded Chicago Bulls team. And it's like this guy was playing in, in the G League. This guy was not, you know, and, and became a, a eventual starter with the Lakers playing with LeBron. I think of mm-hmm. uh, even even Giannis. You know, I had never even heard of Giannis really until it was too late, until he was that guy in Milwaukee. But when he was originally drafted and he was the skinny kid from Greece, I'd never heard of him. I, I had no, my, he was not on my radar. And so nowadays I think you kind of got to, you, you got to give a look to those guys who, you know, you may not be too familiar with, or there may not be enough tape on them because you never know they could turn into that next star or next all-star or next, um, you know, high caliber NBA player. And they just, you know, shock you. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. we, we mentioned that upward trajectory for Shaden Sharp. Like, what if he's still on it? You know, and there's right. a there's a there's a really good chance he is. And especially especially given the fact that he's going to come to a Blazers team that has always really, you know, really prided itself on player development. Um, you know, even before Chauncey got here and Cronin took over, of course. And, you know, there's no better Blazers fans know it better than anybody. There isn't a better leader to learn from in the NBA than Damian Lillard. So exactly. but no matter what happens next season with Shaden Sharp. Um, you know, I it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he spends some time in the G League. The Blazers don't have a G League team, so it makes it a little less likely um, mm-hmm. than if he would than if he played for another team. But you know, it wouldn't shock me if he ended up in the G League. It wouldn't shock me if he you know only got garbage time minutes. It also wouldn't shock me. Another dog bark there. Sorry. It also, <laughs> Approval. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It also wouldn't shock me. You know, if if by the time the All Star break was here, he was getting twenty minutes a game off the bench and really right. really flashing and really, you know, competing for crunch time minutes. Um, so it's just so exciting. And, and, and again, if you're a Blazers fan, those parallel timelines are now here. Like Damian Lillard got his guy and Jeremy Grant and then mm-hmm. Joe Cronin. And I, I'm just using this, uh, using this framing just for ease here. Joe Cronin got his guy in shade and sharp. So the Blazers can build for the future while also focusing on next season. It's just, uh, again, it's just, uh, it's just ideal and nothing I saw coming when the Blazers lost that Pelicans pick. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we we've seen a lot of momentum kind of kind of gained since the uh, the loss of that pick. So uh, I, I think Blazer fans, you guys could just you know just be patient because things are moving right now. And before you know it, it'll be preseason in the regular season, and you know you've got Jeremy Grant in starting lineup with Nurk, hopefully, um, and Ant and Dame, and then of course you got a young uh, seventh seventh pick in Sharp coming off the bench. So not not bad so far. Not bad. 
Now you mentioned momentum and for about six hours, a few hours, six is maybe too many. Mm-hmm. It seemed the Blazers had some momentum for Kevin Durant. Were you, uh, were you, were you around <laughs> that day when that was happening? I, I did. I have been around and uh, I've seen that, that uh, photoshopped uh, image uh, a few times uh, mm-hmm. on social media in the last week or so. And no, I, I definitely didn't think that was a reality. Um, me, I had, I never, but like I allowed, yeah. I allowed myself to like, once I really thought about it, it's like, Hmm, if the nets are going to have to trade Kevin Durant, like obviously there are going to be a lot of offers out there. Yeah. Um, but man, after getting shade and sharp and if the blazers could somehow, you know, include Anthony Simons in this potential deal for Kevin Durant and, and a, in a sign and trade, and then they can, then they can go to the bowls and get the protections taken off that pick so they can trade three future draft picks. I was so excited for about an hour. I really was. I even wrote a little article about it. Did pretty well. Um, just because, you know, any fake Kevin Durant trade during that time was going to do well, but <laughs> man, like this is this is all irrelevant, obviously. But man, I really did think the package of a signed and trade and signed and traded Anthony Simons, Shade and Sharp, and you know, three additional future first round picks might have gotten it done for Kevin Durant. And man, would it, would it have been fun to uh, if if that had if that had been the path that uh, that developed. Of course, it didn't. Kyrie Irving's going back to Brooklyn, and uh, for now, at least, it seems like uh, those guys, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, are definitely, definitely going to play in Brooklyn next season. But, man, I allowed myself to dream a little bit. And that's hey, look, look, man, there's nothing wrong with dream- dreaming right now. It's the off season. We're in that weird space where Summer League hasn't started yet. The draft yeah. just ended. And it's like, you know, we need some excitement going on. Um, uh, in the NBA, of course, the uh, WNBA continues their uh, mm-hmm. season right now. But yeah, outside of the Blazers, there there is a lot of uh, moves that seem that they they might be made. I think it was today they said James Harden. Uh, he's you know looking. <laughs> he's got his eyes open right now. I think it was uh, John Wall yesterday or the day before. Yeah, um, out to the Clippers. Right, exactly. So you know, there's some movement going on. Uh, what is it, Jalen Brunson? Uh, taking meetings with, I think it's uh, what is hey, that? Miami. You want to? Do you want to talk about that? Actually, wait. So I, I might have, I might have missed some news. Like, a, okay. like I said, when we weren't recording, is he, is he taking meetings with teams other than the Knicks? Is there, is there a report? Yes, yes. He's taking meetings with the Knicks. He's taking a meeting with uh, Miami, and he's taking a meeting with uh, what was that? Miami, the Knicks, and there was one more random squad in there, and I was like, really. Um, so you know, I think he's just kind of making his, you know, yeah. he, he, he's he's making his uh, his rounds, but he'll ultimately, in my opinion, he'll be a Nick at at the end of this week. Yeah, I don't really get that for New York. I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah. So it was it was telegraphed on draft night when the Knicks traded out of number eleven and they and they traded three first or they acquired three future first round picks and then I think it was the next day they traded. Uh, Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel and a salary dump to the Detroit Pistons to clear the cap space necessary to give Jalen Brunson uh, the salary he wants. And it, it seems like that's around four years, $110 million mm-hmm. uh, is what he'll, he may sign with the Knicks uh, for. Um, and I like Jalen Brunson. He's a really good player. Uh, we saw that you know throughout the playoffs, especially, um, you know, Really, really hard to really, really hard to keep out of the pain. He's got great, great footwork, a good finisher. He needs some time to finish, obviously, because he's he's not especially explosive. He's not long. He's going to more pivot and fake guys into into finishes after getting a shoulder by his defender. Mm-hmm. But for the Knicks, 
this just like signing Jalen Brunson to that four year, $110 million deal just really, really, it, it, it hardens, it hardens their roster, if you will. Like it's now they're going forward again, say this happens. Cause like every indication is that it's going to, despite the fact that Jalen Brunson, you know, he may take a couple, a couple more meetings. He'll probably meet with the Mavericks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, every indication is that he's going to the Knicks, but all of a sudden the Knicks have a core of Jalen Brunson, um, RJ Barrett and Julius Randall. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because it, didn't they, if I'm not mistaken, they sent Kimba to uh, Detroit? Yeah. So that was another yeah, another salary dump. Yeah. yeah, I don't I – don't. see, in my opinion, well, I think most people probably feel this way. I'm not taking uh, Jalen Brunson over Kimba Walker. Not, not at this point yet. I, I mean, Jalen, he proved some things in the playoffs with the Mavericks, but – uh, I don't know if I take him over Kimball Walker right now. I don't know. We're gonna have to disagree on that. Oh, you wow. think, okay. You think if Kimball Walker was in that situation with Luka Doncic and with the Mavs in the playoffs, that that he would have been just as productive as Jalen Brunson? No, no, I don't think that. <laughs> but as speaking for the Knicks, and of course I'm not a Knicks fan, right? I don't know that that Jalen Brunson that just it seems like a weird fit to me. Him, Julius Randle, I don't, I don't know, well, I don't know. Three lefties with RJ Barrett, like are they all going to play on? Oh, the see, I didn't even think about that. Wow, that's a great, that's some good insight right yeah. there. And then the other thing is, is that you know Tom Thibodeau is not the most uh, innovative offensive, offensive mind. Um, you know, then he's always played with two big men with the Knicks. You know, he's always put a traditional center next to Julius Randle, despite the fact that, uh, you know, Obi Toppin, when he saw very, you know, very scant minutes at small ball five, well, small ball five, not necessarily small ball, but when he saw minutes at the five last season, gave them a little bit of stretch, gave them a vertical spacer, the Knicks looked good, but Tom Thibodeau is always going to default to defense, which means slotting another center next to Julius Randle. And it looks like they're going to sign Mitchell Robinson. And obviously he's not a spacer at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Julius Randle, you know, his shooting came back, uh, came came back, came way back down to earth after uh, after that pandemic season when there were no fans in the stands. Like Jalen Brunson just isn't going to have any space to operate out there, and it's going to no. it's going to be especially obvious um, compared to his time with the Mavericks in the playoffs when they were just playing five out pretty much the entire time. Like that's one of the reasons why a guy like Jalen Brunson, who isn't the most explosive guy, he's not John Morant. You know, he's not as slithery as uh, Shea, Gil- Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, he was still able to get to the paint all the time, pretty much at will. And one of the reasons why is because the Mavericks were spacing the floor with five shooters. And it's just going to be a completely different thing with the Knicks. So I'm rooting for him. You know, I, I like yeah. him. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty cool that his dad is now an assistant coach there. And Leon Rose, the, the GM for the Knicks, was uh, his dad, Rick Brunson's. I think it was his, his first agent, I believe. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. So Jalen Brunson is really, really close with, you know, Knicks management, as well as the fact that his dad's an assistant coach there now. He's, I assume he's known Tibbs almost his entire life. Mm-hmm. But that's cool. That's cool. But, um, you know, we'll I see. Know. I don't know if it's cool enough to lock yourself into a core of Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, who quietly had a really good season last year, and I'm actually pretty high on him, uh, especially compared to uh, the way he looked after his first two seasons in the league. But sure, man, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't blow up, and he's not, and he's not a superstar, and I don't think he has that potential. Um, I, just yeah. don't know, I just don't know where the Knicks are going, and they're and they're just going to get so expensive, especially once they sign Barrett to an extension. I believe it's after this season. Um, so yeah, yeah, I wow. did. I don't know. Like, like we've we've looked at, at the Knicks for for years, almost every summer. As oh, they're the sleeping giant. You know, they're they're making moves to get captain. Still sleeping. Brand. Are they going to get Kyrie Irving? It's just like now, still sleepy. 
Exactly. I mean, I mean they have guys now, I guess, but those guys are going to lead to nothing more than a first round loss in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not I'm, not, I'm not super high on that one. Yeah, not enough. Uh, they put the uh, Kyrie to the New York Knicks rumors to bed, so that's not happening. No. Uh, so maybe they will have to settle for Brunson. I mean, I, we we know individually he's a great uh, point guard. I just don't think that's a great fit in New York, honestly. Uh, if I had to choose where he would go, I think he'd be a better fit in Miami. Uh, I don't know how that would work with Kyle Lowry, but I'd take him over Kyle Lowry at this point in Miami any day. I I, I agree with you there, Kyle. Well, you know, Kyle had that. Uh, you know, he had he was dealing with a hamstring injury during the playoffs, so he True. obviously looked extra slow, and he was a little out of shape because he you know hadn't been able to do anything with a hamstring injury. But no, I I, I love Kyle Lowry, but obviously Jalen Brunson at this point is a better player than Kyle Lowry. The thing for the thing for Brunson is like. I just prefer if he stays in Dallas. Like this, this whole this whole thing where he's going to go to New York and get the ball a lot more and get a lot more shots and get a lot more usage. I just don't necessarily see that um, yeah. with Barrett and Randall already there. Derek like Tibbs loves Derek Rose. Rose isn't going anywhere. He's obviously not True. going to play with Brunson much, but I would mm-hmm. imagine that Rose will cut into. Brunson's minutes a little bit and when they're on the floor together he'll certainly cut into Brunson's usage like what's wrong with going back to Dallas and being second banana behind you know this the second or third best offensive player in basketball like we just did and we yeah we made the Western Conference Finals of course the the context here is that apparently Jalen Brunson was really really frustrated with Mavericks management because they refused to offer him a uh, a contract extension this time last summer which I believe was for 455 he's now getting double that or about to get double that potentially from the New York Knicks for four one ten, so that's not a not great from the Mavericks there um, mm-hmm. that they both didn't offer him that deal and then alienated him enough that they're just going to lose his salary slot for nothing. Um, so really, if it's you know, we've been talking about Brunson for so long now, right? But I, he got his own segment somehow. Yeah, but I, but I think the biggest takeaway really is that just Dallas is just losing a vital piece, um, mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure how they're supposed to come back from it. Um, given the fact that they're, you know, they're capped out, I think they're, I think they're going to pay the tax irrespective of, of what happens with Brunson. Gotcha. Um, so they don't have much financial flexibility or anything like that. They'll just have the taxpayers mid-level exception. They don't have, you know, they don't have a lot of draft equity or anything like that. I'm just struggling to see how they're going to build upon last season's surprise Western Conference Finals appearance. And I don't think Luka Doncic is going to like that very much. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to see how this one plays out. It seems that uh, ever since... Let's see, what was the first big one? I guess the John Wall to the Clippers was pretty big. Yeah. Uh, even the DeJounte Murray uh, from San Antonio to oh, Atlanta, me. that was big. Do you, do, you have, do you have thoughts on that? Do you want to get on get into that a little bit? Oh, uh, yeah, I do think that's that's going to be a great move. I think, uh, I think I even tweeted it earlier. Trey Young finally gets another bona fide scorer with him in that backcourt. Um, and in my opinion, I think that's what Atlanta needs. I don't, I think, I don't think Trey Young can carry that load himself. Um, obviously, he's a you know dynamite point guard, but he's ultimately too small, in my opinion, um, to get it done alone. Uh, he needs somebody in his backcourt, similar to a uh, Steph Curry with the Warriors. He has a Clay in the backcourt with him um, that could also uh, you know get a get a few buckets there. So I think it'll be a great fit, honestly. And they also I think got him for uh, like pocket change for the most part. So. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it wasn't it three first round picks? I didn't and, I, I don't know the and, connections on those. Yeah, it was like three three picks. I don't know what round they were, but they were three picks and Gallinari. 
Well, Gallo, I assume, is just in there for salary reasons. But right. three again, three first round picks, Danilo Gallinari. Right. Um, yeah, and then a pick, a, a 2026 pick swap. Okay. Yeah, something like that. First round pick, 2025, 2027, and then a 2026 pick swap. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and those, and it looks like those 25 and 27 first round picks are unprotected. So if the Hawks, for whatever reason, you know, just go completely kaput, they go up in flames, um, then the Spurs will have will have some very, 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 very valuable draft assets there in 25 and 27. So um, I like this deal for the Hawks. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about giving up all that draft equity if you have a guy like trey young you know a borderline top 10 player in the nba a perennial candidate for first team all nba at the very least is maybe a better way to describe him just given his uh defensive deficiencies and how those play in the playoffs i think you have to make this type of move you have you have to surround him with the type of guy um who's going to compensate for his weaknesses and you know strengthen his strengths and i do think that's what Dejounte murray can do a little bit um especially from the perspective of you know, Trey's just never had another real playmaker next to him. No, um, you know who's he? Who's he had there in uh, in Atlanta? He's had Kevin Herter, William Bogdanovich, good players, um, right? But they are, you know, they are not pick and roll players. They are not. No, they're not all stars. No, there you go. Exactly. You, you can just even yeah. you can just even just simplify it to that. They are not all stars. Dejounte Murray was mm -hmm. a first-time All Star last year. What he averaged 20, 21, 8, and nine or something like that. Not not bad. Yeah, and I believe he led the league in steals. I think he slipped a little bit defensively last season, but that's what happens when you know you you take on the onus of being a team's primary creator, and he won't be that anymore. Trey Young will be that guy. So maybe now he can get back to being you know one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And that's the other thing that's really appealing about this is that now Atlanta finally has a guard they can sick on opposing point guards on opposing star ball handlers um and you know that should that should really really help them defensively and make trey young's job easier the one concern i have is that jante murray just isn't a great isn't a great three-point shooter he's worked himself into becoming a very very good mid-range shooter even off the mm -hmm. ball but from three i just i just think teams are going to make him prove it as a as a as a catch and shoot guy when trey young is you know dribbling the ball up top is when clint capella is coming to set a ball screen for him they're running one five stuff I really, really think that they're that defenses are going to overload the strong side of the floor to continue to make Trey Young see bodies, and uh, you know close out short to Dejounte Murray and just make him shoot. And he may be able to do it. Um, you know, I'm, I don't have the numbers in front of me or anything. I believe he was almost league average from three last season. He'll probably take more catch and shoot threes uh, with the Hawks playing next to Trey, which are easier than off dribble threes. So his percentage should hopefully increase in that capacity. But offensively, it's just not quite as clean as you want it to be. Um, and, and again, I, I know I said I don't worry about them sending out those three first round picks, but it's actually four with that pick swap. Um, if these if these teams' destinies are different by 2026, but um, you know if you're going to send out all that draft equity, I think it ideally it would be for a perfect fit next to Trey Young, and I think Dejounte just comes in a bit a bit short of perfect for me. But uh, you know, I, overall I like this deal for the Hawks, and it certainly makes them you know much bigger players in the Eastern Conference than they would have been otherwise. Well, speaking of bigger players, I think you'll enjoy the segue here. Oh, yeah. uh, what is your, in a nutshell, thoughts on not only the playoffs and the postseason, but of course, uh, the NBA Finals as the NBA season is officially over now? Yeah. Um, what a pleasure, number one. <laughs> <laughs> it all was. Mm -hmm. um, it was just the, the finals. Uh, you know, there was 
obviously, especially the last couple rounds, even the finals, there weren't necessarily many close games. Um, True. There were a bunch of stats floating around during that time about how we had more blowouts during this year's playoffs than any other. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not ideal. But the quality of play uh, was so, so high, especially in the NBA finals, um, mm-hmm. those defenses going at one another. Um, it was, I was just blown away. It was just so fun to watch. Um, but what really, really blew me away and what I was wrong about and why my prediction of, I think it was Celtics in six. And I was pretty confident about it, honestly. Very, very. There you go. <laughs> why that ended up to be wrong is that it's just because Steph Curry is still the best offensive player in basketball and it's not even close. True. Um, so like true. I, I think I even said on this podcast, uh, during the playoffs that, you know what, Justice, I think Luka Doncic has supplanted Steph Curry, or if I didn't say supplant Curry, I think, I think Luka's the best offensive player in the NBA. I don't I don't know how you can make that argument after what we're <laughs> Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, right? Because no, not no. only was Steph doing everything that uh, you know only Steph does, you know, by drawing drawing so much defensive attention when he does or doesn't have the ball, constantly moving, setting back screens, setting ball screens, doing all that stuff, pushing the ball in transition. But he was also just roasting some elite defenders one on one. Um and that was that was the big difference for me. I just did, I just didn't think he was capable of it um, because the numbers really the last couple of years uh, and I, even the eye test had, I think had kind of supported what I thought that yeah same here exactly like against against defenders like uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Derek White, even Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Um, I certainly didn't think he would abuse Al Horford like that, but he absolutely embarrassed Al Horford out there, especially in Game Six. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once it became apparent that Steph had it going, um, and that the the Celtics just had, didn't have a single player you could guard Steph individually, and then you know sending two to the ball on Steph also isn't the thing to do against the Warriors. Uh, you saw Ime really switch up his coverages there as they were trying to make that game six comeback. You know they were sending two at Steph, then all of a sudden they were switching, uh, then they were switch doubling, and there's just no answer against Steph Curry right now. He's um, you know it's it's incredible. He's he's what is he 34 in playing at this level? Yeah, something like that. I mean, sounds about right. You know, there how many guys have played at this level um, at that age? It's it's a pretty short list. I'm just making it off the top of my head here, but it's I think it's you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, short list. <laughs> that it. Um, That's about it. No, I wasn't. I wasn't around for Kareem. He obviously was very very successful with uh, with the '80s Lakers, but uh, true. So he's had some accolades when he was that age. But I I find it hard to believe that he was this effective. So yeah, yeah this, no. just a coronation for Steph Curry uh, and the Warriors, and it was uh, fun to watch. Yeah, no, I agree. Steph is that guy. Um, I really enjoyed watching Tatum play. That faded a little bit as uh, it seems like the, oh, yeah. the light. The lights might have got a little too bright towards the end, but I understand. He's young. This is his first NBA Finals. And what I think is nice, even though I am a uh, you know lifelong Laker fan, uh, for him, because I like his game, uh, it's nice to see him get to the Finals so early in his career. Um, as we know, some players don't get to the Finals till kind of like an Al Horford situation. He's yeah. very probably close to retirement in the next two or three years. And I think this is his first NBA Finals ever, I think, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's right. Yeah, um, so that was nice to see. I enjoyed that dynamic. And then, uh, of course, the Warriors. I mean, like you said, Steph, when he's on fire, you've got to put that fire out. And the Boston Celtics could not put that fire out uh, if they prayed for it. So, oh, yeah, unbelievable. And the, yeah. Austin was an, Boston was one of the best defenses in league history, arguably the best defense in league history um, as compared to, like, league average or second place in the league from January 1st on. And, like, you don't even need me to – 
you know, pull out the numbers. You don't need me to say that. You can just look at their roster. Right. Their, their top seven guys are just unbelievable defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, they have as much defensive talent as any team I've ever seen. Uh, hang on one second, Justin. <laughs> we got another dog issue. Yeah, for the folks at home that don't know, uh, Jack runs a, an adoption agency. Um, Jack runs a kennel. <laughs> right. <laughs> he does run a kennel. Uh, that is the side gig during the off season, so he'll be busy uh, this summer. And uh, but he'll be back. He'll be back in the fall. <laughs> back now. Another right. thing that really, really stuck out to me about the finals, um, and that, and that swung it for me. In addition to Steph, again, just being the best offensive player in basketball still, and. You know, probably a top three player in the world right now. I would say, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Still, it's just it's it's incredible. We were talking, we were talking him, we were talking about him this way six years ago, and now we're still talking about him this way. Wow, um, amazing. Yeah, we're so lucky that you know we get to watch his prime like this. Mm-hmm. But um, Andrew Wiggins, oh, I yeah. just didn't see this coming. What a surprise! Um, not even seriously. I was shocked. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll say it to you again. I I went to Kansas. I followed his career really closely. I had I had high hopes for him in part because so many people were low on him from the moment he got to Kansas, and it was in part because of you know his perceived attitude of just being really easygoing, not necessarily being the most intense player, um, mm-hmm. not really committing to doing the little things, especially defensively, and instead we just saw all that. We, we saw all of it. And we saw all of it and more. Andrew Wiggins was doing things both defensively and offensively. I didn't think he was capable of doing. And that, to me, was probably the biggest difference in the series, the fact that um, Andrew Wiggins was able to play Jason Tatum better than anyone had in the play. Um, You know, the fact that he was able to be the Warriors, you know, second-best offensive player. He exploded in, what was it, game five? I believe it was game five. When he, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had you know, 26, 27 points, really efficient. He wasn't super efficient for the whole series, but again, just playing out of advantage situations, mostly created by Steph Curry. Um, you know, He's a good finisher. He didn't necessarily shoot the ball well from three. Um, but man, just the way, that he, the way that he locked down Jason Tatum, the way that he locked down Jalen Brown when they were matched up, the way that he impacted the glass, the way that he got out in transition, um, it was just stunning. Like and and like now we're looking at Andrew Wiggins as kind of that archetype three and D player, uh, despite the fact that he's not a great shooter. Um, you know there probably isn't another three and D player in in basketball more valuable than Andrew Wiggins right now. And if you told me that going into the final, <laughs> I would believe that. that. <laughs> right, no, exactly. I think I would have said, huh. That sounds like a guy who might be able to guard Jason Tatum then and really make life hard on the Celtics offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't think he had it in him, and that's despite the fact that it, you know he did well against Luka Doncic in the in the Western Conference Finals. He'd shown uh, more commitment to rebounding um, in the first couple rounds against against Denver and Memphis. But you know he was the Warriors, probably the Warriors' second best player in the finals. And you know you can say that was partially because you know Clay Thompson didn't shoot the ball well or isn't himself or isn't who he was defensively uh, now when he you know when he was 4 years ago though he really really uh flipped the switch defensively for those last couple games um you know you could say that Andrew Wiggins was the Warriors second best player because of all of Draymond Green's limitations um but but regardless 
he was and he did it on both ends and he did it every single night and on every single possession and i was just uh i was just stunned by it and that's one of the things that's that's most fun about the playoffs and basketball at its, at its highest levels to me is you learn so much not just about not just about teams but about individual players when the lights are brightest and uh you know we learned that andrew wiggins is a champion and one of the best non-star players in the nba so kudos to him Right, absolutely. I think it's going to make for a very uh, exciting and interesting summer outside of Summer League and all these new draftees. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, that could be going different places. I mean, even just in uh, journalism, I learned today that Chris Haynes is a free agent. So, he, he, yeah, I learned that today. Uh, I think Front Office Sports reported on it. Um, I guess uh, he had a temporary deal there with uh, Turner and NBA TV. So that'll be um, a big bag for Chris. I yes, guess. it will. Uh, former <laughs> former uh, Portland Trailblazers alumni, of course. Uh, former Blazers reporter, I think. For I think he was with NBC Sports. I think up NBC here. Sports, and I think he started with Blazers Edge even. So yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Locally, good for Chris. Yes, exactly. And a fellow uh, born and raised Californian as well. Got to throw that in there. So uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of things going on this offseason. Um, I think it's going to be a, a great summer um, for all of us NBA fans as we see where everybody lands. And, you know, as we get ready for uh, summer league and then preseason and uh, we'll be back in the swing of things uh, come fall. Now, Justice, real quick before we go, you want to mm-hmm. you want to say anything about the Lakers? Uh, <laughs> mentioned California, and I, I was my memory was jogged. Yeah, you know, I was hoping that you weren't going to bring that up. Yeah, um, uh, but <laughs> I think the Lakers are out of their mind. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> Russell, Russell, Russell uh, Westbrook getting I think forty seven million. Um, yeah, is, p- p- picked up that player option. It was a formality. He was always going to do that. Right. Yeah, it was going to happen. But I think that's really a shame. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that there's no way he should be getting paid. You know, with that, the top five guys in the league are getting paid no. right now. Him and LeBron shouldn't be making a similar amount of money. Um, just going based off play, of course. Nothing against Russ. Yeah. Um, so the Lakers. I mean, yeah, man, we, we we've got some work. I I did think it was interesting that we did get a. Uh, Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, obviously son of Scotty Pippen for the Summer League team. Um, and oh, then Shaq, you're right, I know. It's just for it's just for the look. That's all it is. It's just a <laughs> publicity stunt. And then, of course, uh, we have Shaq's oldest son, Sharif O'Neal, on our Summer League team as well. So, oh, my God. Uh, I, did, yeah. I, I was not aware that you had Sharif as well. Good to see him playing basketball, actually. Didn't he have – I think he – I'm not sure yeah. what, what health scare he had. but uh, Yeah, he had a heart surgery, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. God. Yeah, well, so I'm rooting for him. I'm definitely rooting for him. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, uh, not too many, you know, not a whole lot of hope going into next season. But uh, either way, next season is going to be entertaining regardless because we saw how great the postseason was this year. And a few players are going to be wearing different jerseys going into next season as well. So uh, that'll be exciting for sure. All right. This, uh, this will be our last thing. And I'm just going to put you on the spot. And listeners, oh Justice had no idea this was coming. I just okay. thought of it myself. Okay. Justice, who wins uh-huh. more games in 2022-23? The Portland Trailblazers or the Los Angeles Lakers? Wow, that's a very messed up question. <laughs> I know. Free agency starts tomorrow. Not, uh, not as much flexibility. So, you know, they, they won't look drastically different barring something unforeseen. But what do you think? I'm going, uh, wow, this sucks. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, I know. I you, you know, I'm going to go Blazers. I'm going to yeah. go Blazers uh, only because the potential with Jeremy Grant, 
Um, even Shaden Sharp, I think he has a uh, you know the sky's the limit for him coming mm-hmm. in as a rookie, uh, such a young talent. And I just don't think the Lakers are going to get it together. They've got a first year head coach now, yeah. um, oh, where where Chauncey Billups is going into his second year, so I think he'll be you know kind of more acclimated to Portland and the swing of things. Mm-hmm. And you got you got a healthy Damian Lillard coming back, so you know we've seen his little highlights and montages uh, already of him in the gym, and it looks like he's getting stronger and mm-hmm. getting ready for next season. So. I think the Blazers are going to have a great season. Uh, I think next year is going to be packed full of highlights and, um, you know, always a Laker fan, but, you know, I, I report on the Blazers, so it is what it is. <laughs> Justice, I noticed that w- while saying the Blazers would would have a better record than uh, than the Lakers, you more praise the Blazers than criticize the Lakers, which I get, and we all know the <laughs> Lakers' problems. I just wanted to throw that out there for our listeners. Uh, Justice, <laughs> so where can people follow your work? Yes, as always, you can find me on social media. Uh, that's at Justus Rogers TV, and that's spelled the way it sounds. That's at J U S T U S R O G E R S TV. That's at Justus Rogers TV on Twitter and Instagram, mostly on Twitter, debating, slandering teams and athletes. Um, that's where I'll be, as always. Slandering athletes. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Armstrong Winter and all my Blazers and NBA work at Clutch Points. And definitely feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast player you're listening to. We would really appreciate that. And until next time we record, it's probably going to be next week. Uh, we can talk to you then. Justice. See you later, man. See you later. We are out. Thanks. Thanks.